Okay, so uh, we're going to begin again here. And the the next thing that we'll be exploring here is um, this. Uh, you'll see the sheet the the sheet here. The in bold letters it says Anicca Wata Sankara, and then there's a translation underneath it. And permanent exclamation formations are arising, and and we're going to take yet another chance to uh, take the next step in this whole exploration, both an experiential exploration, but also this reflective exploration that we're doing together. And I'd like to take a few minutes just to frame um, a little bit about this, this chant in particular. So kind of this chant was offered to me through the Thai forest tradition. And in terms of, you could say, traditional Buddhism, or even some people would say authentic, traditional Theravada Buddhism, this is such a common chant, this, this, this uh, Anicca Wata Sankara. And, and this, this wording, it's in Pali. Pali is the early scriptural language of Buddhism. So it's Anicca Wata Sankara, Upadawa Yadam Mino, Upajitawa Nirojanti, Te Sam Wu Pasamo Suko. And as you see at the bottom, these words come from a particular discourse uh, from early Buddhism. And it's right after the Buddha dies, the, the, this uh, Brahma god Sakka uh, exclaims these words, expressing, you know, impermanent are formations. Here's this translation at the bottom that you'll see too. They arise, they have the nature to arise and decay. Having arisen, they cease. And to find relief about this fact of human existence, uh, brings true happiness. It's often chanted at uh, funerals. So it's, it's also uh, just as a way of carrying on that tradition. So once again, we'll, we'll take some time to, to chant this together. And, and again, I invite you to see what it, how it feels like in your, your bones and in your body, this way of, of doing this chant. And it'll be very similar to what we just did, but you'll see that it has a different kind of flavor to it when we chant this Anicca Wata Sankara. And, and remember, a lot of times what I'm getting from chanting is not, and this is the, I want to say, this is where it, it over, uh, intersects with uh, ways of knowing. So much of the ways of knowing that I'm, I'm um, conditioned by, especially in this technological world, is that the way of knowing that's important that gets me a job is informational ways of knowing. If I can convince somebody that I know a lot, they like will give me a job where they pay me a lot of money, which then shapes the mind in a particular direction. And the kind of knowing that comes from chanting is, is the knowing that comes really from repetition where I'm getting something in my heart. So it'll be something that we explore here. Um, just take a moment here to see if there's something else I want to share about this chant. Oh, I, and, and one other thing. I think that the other reason we wanted to share this with you is that in many kind of Vipassana worlds, and I want to acknowledge that not, not all of us are coming from the kind of Vipassana insight tradition, but sometimes... Uh, chants like this are left out of the insight tradition because they're seen as quote-unquote cultural baggage. 
and that we can just set aside cultural baggage and then we can do the real thing. But I want to point out is the naming of something as cultural baggage and setting it aside is a cultural movement. It's done by you know, a, a certain cultural perspective. And so that, that we're always culturally situated. Um, and so the, the, the taking away is also a cultural stance, just as the adding of some practice is a cultural stance. Okay, so let's uh, just allow the attention to come. Did you, did you want to add anything? So allowing the attention to come inward. And what I'll do is I'll begin chanting it. I'll chant through it once. If you know it, please uh, join in, and, and you'll get a sense of the, the rhythm and the tone. But first, just coming back to the breath and the body now, turning the attention inward. <laughs> 